Well, good morning, church family. Welcome to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott. And this is Pastor Kevin. And we are here to cover part two of our uh, introduction to the the book of Ephesians here by uh, tackling again uh, some of the follow-up questions to last week's sermon on the sinfulness of sin. Uh, this past Sunday, we did uh, kind of get into the opening verses of Ephesians, kind of... The double the, stuff, Yeah, the Oreo. little bit of the background and the, the setting and the themes for the book, but uh, we're going to spend this week uh, just tackling a few more of those questions that are probably hanging out there uh, in response to the, the previous week's sermon, just understanding there's a lot of implications for that. Uh, that's a lot of stuff that's going to flow into these first several verses that we're going to go to in Ephesians uh, in the week weeks ahead so um so we're gonna just we're gonna tackle a few more of those here this morning and so kevin if you would be willing help us out here as we we kind of wrestle with a few more of these questions so one of the natural ones that we didn't get to last week is as we think about god and his sovereignty we think god and his electing his his foreknowledge his predetermination of things for a lot of people, that, that raises in the question, if, if God is so deterministic in many ways, how is he then not the author of sin? It seems like there's a, a logical connection, but help us maybe understand from a, a spiritual connection Man, what... Jumping you know, into the deep I end of the well, pool this morning. It's too early for this. You no, know, this that would have been the great. last question last week, but <laughs> since not, it's the first question this week. You know, week, it's a great so. question. It's a great question. And anybody who's wrestling with that question, um, you know... You know that's that's good. It's right, but let's just let's just set some foundational truth and and to to kind of be guardrails on this discussion. Mm-hmm. The scripture clearly teaches that God is God. I know that surprises you, but I'm just saying. No, let's let's. What does it mean that God is God? What is the godness of God? <laughs> Okay, we don't like this. You know, Psalm 50 mm-hmm. has this verse that said, where God Himself says, "You thought I was one like yourself." Yeah. <laughs> like, we tend to make God in our own image, but let's just be clear from the very beginning of this conversation that God is God, mm-hmm. and He reigns over all the earth, and He is Lord, and He is God. I, I just think of Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 33. Mm-hmm. Just You and I have talked about mm-hmm. this recently, but yeah. I just I was so encouraged by this recently. I think I heard something on the radio or, I don't know, it was a, a sermon I listened to or something, but it got, me, it got me realizing. So in Exodus 3, when God describes himself to Moses, remember this is the burning bush? Yep. How, do you remember mm-hmm. the name mm-hmm. that God uses to describe himself to Moses? Do you remember what it was? I am who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, I am who I am. That means God is the self, ex- eternally, he's the eternally existing, self-existent. I don't know mm-hmm. the words to use because my language kind of fails me here. Mm-hmm. But he is the God who is. Mm-hmm. He always has been. He always is. He always will be. Mm-hmm. He's God. Mm-hmm. He's the I am that I am. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get to Exodus 33, 
And this is right when God, when Moses asked God, show me your glory, you know, and how are you going to dwell with such a stiff necked people, you know, after they've continued to sin mm -hmm. against you time and time and time again in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to dwell with them? Because if you don't go with us, we might as well not even go up into the, into the yeah. promised land. And do you remember how God describes himself there? He actually uses the same mm -hmm. linguistic parallelism from I am that I am. Mm -hmm. Now he says in Exodus 33, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Mm -hmm. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. In other words, God is who he is, Exodus 3, and God will do what he does in Exodus mm -hmm. 33. God is God. Mm -hmm. I, the prophet Isaiah says, uh, who are you to question mm -hmm. what God, God's arm is not short. He will do what he will do in the armies of heaven. Mm -hmm. So let God be God. Mm -hmm. When you come to this question of, well, doesn't, Clearly, the Bible says man is responsible. So we know that man is responsible to mm -hmm. believe, repent, obey God. Mm -hmm. And all who go to hell are because they fail to do that. They fall short of the glory of God. So mm -hmm. the people who are in hell are there because of their own responsibility. Um, we are all responsible biblically to believe mm -hmm. and repent and love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. What we learn from Scripture is the fact of sin is none of us will do that. Mm -hmm. We are all, therefore, short of the glory of God and condemned to hell. Mm -hmm. So God is right and just, and dare I say fair, to send all of humanity to hell. Mm -hmm. That is not wrong for God. That is actually right for God to do mm -hmm. because of the consequences of our sin against his mm -hmm. glorious holiness. So we have the responsibility of man in Scripture. It's very clear. We all see the responsibility of man. But alongside the responsibility of man, you have the sovereignty of God. You have this God who chooses to save some, mm -hmm. to make himself a bride for his son, mm -hmm. to, 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 to fulfill the promise he made with the person of Jesus in the Trinity in eternity past to say, I will redeem for you a bride. Mm -hmm. that, that is not showing God as a monster. That is not showing God as evil. That is showing God as mercy, mm -hmm. gracious, generous, purposing to create for his son a people, a bride, that he would give as a love offering to the person of Jesus for the sake of his eternal glory and joy. So you say, but wait a minute. If God is so deterministic, doesn't that make him the author of sin? Mm -hmm. If God has the ability to, to, to save us and he chooses not to. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> there's all kinds of scripture that speaks mm -hmm. to that. I can think mm -hmm. of think of Jesus's parable of the man who paid the uh, all the workers through the mm -hmm. day. You know, somebody started at 6 a.m., somebody mm -hmm. started at 5 p.m., but they all got the same payment. They all got mm -hmm. the same heaven at the end. And the people who worked through the heat of the day, they grumbled at this and said, you know, this isn't fair that you would pay the man who only mm -hmm. worked one hour the same as those of us who worked for 12. And God's like, do you begrudge my generosity? Mm -hmm. Like, are, are, do you do well to be angry mm -hmm. at the fact that I'm a God of mercy? This isn't mm -hmm. fair. God's not fair. Fair would mean nobody would ever get employed. Nobody yeah. would go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> when they have having the conversation. Right. So, so here's, here's another really important principle that goes into this discussion. I know we're jumping into the deep end here because mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to comprehend the incomprehensible. We're trying mm -hmm. to understand God. But God is God. Mm -hmm. He is who he is. He does what he does. And we cannot 
the clay has no right over the potter. We can't, we can't question who God is. In fact, here's something that short circuits my computer. <laughs> they got the little bzzz. There is no standard of justice and rightness mm -hmm. outside of God. When you understand the doctrine of justice or the doctrine of righteousness, from a biblical perspective, it is what God does. Mm -hmm. If we try to cause God to submit to any standard of justice or any standard of righteousness that we would make in our own construction and then cause God to submit, then we no longer have a God. We have somebody that we've made and somebody that we control. The essence of rightness, the essence of justice, the essence of righteousness is what God does. Mm -hmm. So whatever God does is what is right mm -hmm. because by definition, he is God. Mm -hmm. So there's never a time when we can come to God like the objector does in Romans mm -hmm. chapter 9 and tries to accuse God of being unjust because by definition, mm -hmm. God does what God does, and what he does is actually right and just. Yeah. And as, the, as Paul writes to the objector in Romans chapter 9, so who are you, O oh man, to answer back against mm -hmm. God? You know, mm -hmm. like, put your hand on your mouth, Job, and let's realize, oh, we're not dealing with another person who's made like us. We're dealing with mm -hmm. God. And the fact that God is God. The godness of God means he is who he is. He will do what he does. And all that he does mm -hmm. is always, by definition, mm -hmm. the essence of goodness. Yeah. This is a thought that just kind of came to me right now, Kevin. And I don't know if you could speak to this or not. But do you know if this is a doctrine, kind of this wrestling of like this God sovereignty versus man's responsibility? Is this something that is wrestled with by other cultures in the world? Because part of myths, I don't, I don't know for sure, but part of me just wonders if this isn't something that is a reflection of our very autonomized mm -hmm. American culture we live in. And I try not to be too hard on that, but the reality is I think we live in a kind of a very self-centered culture here where so much of this is my rights oriented. And so yeah. is that, do you think that that is feeding into maybe the way we think and process this? It, it definitely impacts us in our thinking in a negative way. You know, we're, we're just not used to kings. Mm -hmm. we, we are not used to, nor do we appreciate absolute authority. Mm -hmm. We live in a culture that celebrates living as our own authority. But frankly, that is a delusion. Mm. That is a delusion when there is a God. Mm -hmm. God is God. Psalm 115 verse 3, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he please. He pleases. Daniel 4, 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are encountered as nothing, mm -hmm. but God does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can say to him, what in the world are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because by definition, he's God. We mm -hmm. either have God who's God mm -hmm. or we don't. And to me, the two doctrines that are the, the Christian's greatest joy Mm -hmm. And greatest hope and greatest glory mm -hmm. is that God is God. He's sovereign mm -hmm. and he is good. Mm -hmm. And you combine those two truths mm -hmm. and you say, I have a God who is God, mm -hmm. but he's good. Mm -hmm. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. All who comes to him, he will never cast out. But no one can come except those whom he has brought mm -hmm. because of the sinfulness of sin. 
And it's a, what an amazing, amazing God. Mm -hmm. What an amazing God. So yes, man is absolutely responsible. But yes, all of our salvation is entirely due to the fact that we have a good and sovereign God. So then, segueing off of this conversation here, this naturally has some implications and some practical questions that come to mind about the responsibility that comes to Christians. So we look at things like God's sovereignty and we say, well, okay, well, God is going to do whatever he so pleases. So then he doesn't really need me, right? Like, so if God is going to, if God is going to save, then, then really I don't need to evangelize. Like what's the point to evangelize? Or if God is going to do what he so wills, then why do I need to pray? I, it feels like that's kind of just, it's in vain. So help maybe the Christian who's jumping to those conclusions kind of and help us yeah, yeah. like yeah. And, and respond to like, actually, no, that's that's a, a wrong understanding right. of God's yeah. sovereignty and what it's actually yeah. meant to drive us towards. Okay, and so there's all kinds of ways we can answer that. But I think, yeah. I think the, the most important thing that people need to hear, if you're wrestling with this, is that God doesn't just ordain the ends. Mm-hmm. God ordains the means mm-hmm. to those ends. He's God. Mm-hmm. And he commands us mm-hmm. to pray. He commands us to evangelize. Mm-hmm. He commands us to pursue holiness. He commands us to repent and to believe the gospel. And then he ordains the means. In mm-hmm. other words, yes, will God save all who are saved? Yes, of course mm-hmm. he will, because they're blind, dead, and deaf, and they don't, mm-hmm. no one seeks for God on their own. So yes, God saves them. But how does God save them? One of the means is through the proclamation of the gospel through human mm-hmm. tongues. One of the means is through the prayers of mm-hmm. Christians who know that God is God, and he's able to bring resurrection life mm-hmm. into the graveyards of people's blindness. Mm-hmm. We pray because God's sovereign. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, nobody prays to God for the salvation of their loved one mm-hmm. because they think that ultimately their loved one's salvation is up to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason we pray for the salvation mm-hmm. of our loved one is because we know our loved one mm-hmm. needs God's help to be saved. Right. The reason we evangelize is because we know God has the power Mm -hmm. supernaturally to take the seed of the gospel and plant that in somebody's heart when they hear it through their ears Mm -hmm. and actually cause brand new life to sprout out of the soil of their heart. Like we would not be able, if, if we somehow thought that our evangelistic success was determined by our persuasiveness mm-hmm. or our human rhetoric mm-hmm. or our presentation, we would be crushed. Scott, mm-hmm. three different families have reached out to me in the last couple weeks here since I preached on the sinfulness of sin. All three families shared the same thing and I was just thrilled for them. Mm-hmm. They said, your message has freed me. Mm-hmm. Your message has freed me from the bondage and the guilt and the burden that I was carrying 
for my prodigal children. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking I must have done something wrong, mm -hmm. that my children are not walking with God today. Mm -hmm. And I realize now after your sermon <laughs> that no, it's the sinfulness of sin mm -hmm. and the blindness of sin that they won't see God until God first mm -hmm. opens their eyes. And I can't blame myself for why my children aren't walking with the Lord. And so this doctrine frees us from taking responsibility that is mm -hmm. only God's, but then it empowers us mm -hmm. to truly obey the commands of God. Mm -hmm. Why do we pray? Because God commanded us and he's God. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're not God. Why do we witness? Because God commanded us to, and mm -hmm. we're not God. So if God said it, we should do it. Mm -hmm. But you say, but what's the point? Because God ordains both the mm -hmm. means and the ends. Isn't mm -hmm. that glorious? Yeah. To me, uh, I think P John Piper is the one who says it this way. The doctrine of the sovereignty of God helps us like 4-H. Do you know what 4-H stands club. for? 4-H yeah. <laughs> club. I was never in 4-H club. But. Oh, you're missing out in the head, heart, hands, Sorry and home that. of Christ. About <laughs> 4-H. No, we talk about head, heart, hands, and home of Christ-likeness around here, but... But no, he used four different H's, mm -hmm. which I thought were helpful. That's helpful to remember mm -hmm. about the, the, the practical implications of God's sovereignty. I might even share this in this week's sermon. I don't know. But he said, help, hope. Um, help? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just I know. Help, <clears throat> hope, help, help, hope, um, humility. And homage. And homage. Mm -hmm. 4-H. Yeah. Help, hope. So God's sovereignty helps us in our witnessing, in our praying, because we know we can pray and be, have effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man because God is God. Mm -hmm. We can evangelize and have the help of this, God's help in our evangelism so that souls actually are born again because God is God. That's the help. We can have hope. We can have hope that I can actually persevere to the end of my Christian life and not lose heart and not give up because of the mm -hmm. sovereignty of God. The same God who ordained for me to be a part of the bride of Christ before the beginning of time ordains that I would be glorified with him. That gives me tremendous hope mm -hmm. in the Christian life. It, the hope, help, humility, humility, mm -hmm. the doctrine of God's godness mm -hmm. humbles my pride. Mm -hmm. and helps me to receive more of his grace. Oh, this is a glorious mm -hmm. thing that I might be made small in front of a great God who is God, but he is good. Mm -hmm. Humility mm -hmm. and then homage. It causes me to worship and exalt that God mm -hmm. is good. So help, hope, humility, homage. Mm -hmm. These are the, the implications or mm -hmm. the responses of a proper view of the godness of God mm -hmm. in Scripture. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think the the big idea that you just really camped out there on that's really helpful for our people is that when you really start to understand the doctrine of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, when it really finally clicks, there's a sense of freedom it brings. And Joy. Honestly, I mean, I don't want the responsibility of being you know responsible for the salvation and the conversion of souls right 
but that empowers me knowing that like it's it's not in my persuasiveness uh, god can use me and he will do with it what he so wills uh rather than feeling like this is you know do or die and how i converse with this person here or how i pray for this yes. person right god is the one ultimately my job is to be faithful yes that is so good if you're a parent please hear that please hear that mm -hmm. if you're a parent you're Successful parenting is not determined by the outcome of how your children behaves or who your children become. Successful parenting is determined by faithfulness to mm -hmm. your parent, God. Mm -hmm. God himself is the perfect parent, and Isaiah 1 verse 2 says he has rebellious children. Mm -hmm. So free yourself from the defining success mm -hmm. by the outcomes. Define success by being faithful and trust God for the outcomes. Let God be God mm -hmm. and find joy and refuging in Him. Hide in God. He is good. He is good. And He is over all. He reigns over all. Well, thank you, Pastor Kevin, for just ministering to our hearts and souls this morning. Uh, you're going to be jumping really into now the the substance of Ephesians. Last week, we just kind of hit the first two verses as an introduction. This week, we're really launching full on into the letter. Anything that we should know kind of as we're what or what to expect as we get into these opening uh, uh, passages here in Ephesians. Oh, it's so exciting. So this is a breathless a breathless text, all right? Because we are going to talk about a 200-word long sentence. The first sentence that we get into, verses 3 to 14 in the chapter 1, is one sentence in the Greek, 200 Greek words long, and it's a breathless Paul doesn't even take a breath. Is... It's like propositional phrase after propositional phrase. So, or, is the way you call a run-on sentence? Yeah, I mean... run-on sentence. <laughs> I should have said prepositional phrase. But yeah, it's, it's a run-on sentence. So read that sentence over and over and over. We're going to actually spend three sermons on this one sentence and see how all three persons of the Trinity are at work in bringing us spiritual blessings in our salvation. It's definitely not how English teachers would teach you to write sentences today, but it's what God does in his sovereignty to point us to his absolute greatness, and we are looking forward to unpacking that together this Sunday. So thank you again for joining us, church. We look forward to having you again uh, next uh, Sunday here as we jump into the passage, and we will look forward to having you again next week as we uh, break it down together on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. God bless you.